16. Uh, 6, 18, 5. Um, the Holly track. A dirt bike. Hey, Ready? I, I got like 5 or 3 marble rounds or 4. I And I, I buy another, so. Do you know what? I'm gonna get a zombie monster truck remote control. I go have a Woody. A Woody. You know what that is in Toy Story? You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Okay. <laughs> Whoa! Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Let's all stand together. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's stand as our campus joins with us down in our down the Fox Valley, as well as all those who watch us online. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Again, it's good to have you with us this morning for the fourth Sunday in Advent. Uh, before we continue on, I'll remind you how we do our offerings here at Celebration Church. Uh, if you'd like to give a gift, uh, cash or check, you can do to use the envelopes in the seats in front of you and put them in the uh, buckets on the way out, or you can give online at our website, celebrationchurch.tv, for those of you watching at home, uh, or you can use your phone and use the Celebration Church app and give that way as well, and we we'll want to thank you for your continued support of the church. Um, also want to remind you about our legacy offering. Now, they give me updates. I got an update. Uh, this is theoretically, the last Sunday of doing this. Oh, a lot of people wait till the final Sunday, which is next week, and some even into the early part of the year. Reason being is for a lot of people who have business and, businesses and stuff. <laughs> Every time I stumble over a word, I'm thinking, he's going to die. No, it's just normal talking. Two months ago, you wouldn't thought anything of it. Uh, anyway, the uh, uh, business don't even know how much money they made until the end of the year, until they can figure out and they give their gifts accordingly. However, it's not about the amount of money. It's about the participation. So far, my report this morning is only 20% of our congregation has joined with us so far. Do me a favor. Take one of these envelopes, would you? Right in front of you. Take it. Go for it. Reach. Go get it. Reach. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. You're all just staring at me. 
reach out and take one and fill it out as I blather about and put something. So, well, I can't give a whole lot. It's not about how much you can give. I would rather raise less money this year and have everybody participate than to have more money with only 20% participate. Everybody can do everything. All I can do is the buck. Then fill out the offering for $1. Everybody, let's all, don't be the guy who sits and thinks, I'll let somebody else do it. Don't be that guy, okay? The guy in front of me will do it. The guy next to me, the people behind me never do anything. Who cares? But anyway, don't be that person. Everybody do something. So take the envelope, fill it out, and let's all do something together. It's about being a community, community of believers. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, I want to uh, encourage the guys about the upcoming man camp, which is the first uh, weekend in February. Uh, and uh, I want to encourage you to sign up and come. It's, it's a lot of fun. I went for the first time last year. It was such a blast. I told my guys, clear my calendar from now on for this weekend. It's a lot of fun. What do you do? Stupid guy stuff the whole weekend. And it's great. And we just hang out and we get together and we fellowship. We listen to different speak, people speak. You see, uh, you mean do we have some great speakers? No, we don't really have professional speakers. That's what I enjoy about it. Um, it's just regular guys getting up and sharing their stories. And I promise you, some of the greatest transformations of men in this room right now occurred at man camp. It so changed their life and so lit their faith that they've been faithful uh, to this congregation ever since. This is a transformative moment. Come and hang with a bunch of guys. It's awesome. We have a lot of fun and I encourage you to do that. All right? So, there. (laughs) This morning, reading from 2 Corinthians, the third chapter and the third verse. Paul writes, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, not a letter with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. What is Paul talking about? So God called the Israelites out of Egypt, miraculously brings them out. Moses goes up into the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments written on tablet stones. And what Paul is saying here is the difference now is not that God's directions are written on stone, but now is written on people's hearts. God gave the Ten Commandments on stone. Uh, Jesus came to write his laws on the tablets of our hearts. For God knew that the the key to changing people was not with external pressure, but by changing their hearts. We live in a world today full of contention and strife. The only way you would not be aware of that is if you've been living in the basement for the last two years and not going outside. There's a lot of fighting and contention going on. Many people with good intentions are fighting to improve our world, but ultimately they fail. For the only way to truly change the world is to change people's hearts. And you can always tell a changed heart because an amazing transformation occurs. Instead of pointing fingers at others, they start to look 
inwardly to examine their own behaviors to see how they can change to make the world a better place. Uh, John Adams, one of the founding fathers of our uh, nation, uh, George Washington was the first president. John Adams was the first vice president, served under Washington. And then he went on to win the next election, which made him the second president of the United States. He wrote these words, but should the people, people of America start practicing iniquity and extravagance, this country will be the most miserable habitation in the world. Because we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And the further we get away from morality and righteousness, the more it seems our Constitution can't keep us all in check. Adams knew that any nation that seeks to control others and neglect controlling themselves is doomed to failure. Oh, there have to be laws to control the destructive behavior of some and to punish the actions of the selfish, but only people of faith seek to control themselves. They look inwardly. As the apostle wrote, Jesus came so that God's law is now written on the tablets of human hearts. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is what transforming faith is about. This is what knowing Jesus is about because he changes us here. Once he changes us here, it changes the outside. In Ephesians the fourth chapter, verse 21, we read these words. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance to the, uh, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. What's he talking about? He's talking about those who come to faith in Christ. They surrender their hearts to him. And this transformation takes place. That old, nasty part of us, we push away. Uh, that's called the old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And uh, we are made new in the attitudes of our minds. We put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's when he starts talking about the transformation. He says, therefore, and whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you should see what it's there for what it's connected to, because of what God has done, each of you must now put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And he goes on to write, to tell us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How does this happen? You have to go back to the therefore. Because of what Christ has done, how he's changed here, 
now helps us to change out here. People who just try to change out here always will fail and fail miserably because the root of the problem isn't just in the way we think. It's not just in the way we behave. It's how we have in our heart. We want to get rid of wickedness in this world. It starts here. Paul writes to the Galatians in the fifth chapter. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which means control yourself. You see, the practitioners of true faith examine themselves and always ask the questions, how can I be a better person, a better citizen, a better neighbor, a better father, a better husband, a better friend? What can I do to serve and bless others? They just don't sit and wait for others to do the right thing. They're the ones who lead, lead out by doing the right thing. They don't just sit back and let others support. They look and they support. They don't wait for others to get involved. They get involved. They don't sit around and wait for other people to volunteer. They volunteer. You know Jesus has really changed your heart when you start thinking that way. If you're still thinking, I'll let somebody else do it. I'll let someone else deal with it. I will reflect out to others you will fail in this area of your life and not walk in the newness of life that Paul wrote for each believer, okay? That's why every nation in the world that has, throughout history, that has embraced the principles of personal responsibility have flourished and thrived. The nations who stop looking inwardly and choose instead to only look outwardly at enemies, real or imagined, have inevitably collapsed, crumbled, and failed. We've seen this throughout thousands of years, particularly in the last 2,000. Sadly today, there are forces in America that want to do away with inward reflection and instead want to blame others for the problems of the world. It's the super-rich that's what's wrong. It's the corporations, the evil corporations, which, by the way, are made up of people. <laughs> They're just people is all it is. That's their fault. It's, it's the police. The police are the problem. It's my parents. Institutions that promote racism, inequalities, and injustices. These are the sources of evil. The voices are crying out today. In short, the source of all the troubles of the world is everybody else, except me. They do not encourage personal reflection and improvement. They seek only to deflect and blame others. This, of course, re requires the brute force of government or some other power to restrict and control the actions of everyone else. But history proves that every nation that has taken that approach has failed miserably, as Adams wrote. The passions of people cannot be controlled by authoritarianism. That is why he argued that our Constitution can only truly work with moral people who strive to control themselves. This is why Jesus had such a profound impact on the world. He did not come with power to force the behavior of others. 
He rallied no armies. He trained no soldiers. He advocated for no outward controlling force. No, he came to change the hearts of people. Then, and only then, did those changed hearts go out and transform the world. It's fascinating when you think about it. What army did Jesus have? None. What power, outward power? It was all the inward power of the Holy Spirit. It changed the world. It brought down one of those powerful uh, governments the world has ever known, the Roman Empire. It's an amazing thing. And they went throughout the world and continued to transform. You say, well, Christians have a bad history. Oh, there's always people doing stupid things. You'll never escape that. But the message of the gospel, the transforming message of God and of Christ and those who build upon those transformations have improved the world exponentially. It is really rather dramatic. If you want to change the hearts of people, you cannot create enough laws to eliminate hatred and intolerance. You only wind up creating people who are full of hatred and who are intolerant of hate and intolerance. You only create people who burn down their own neighborhoods in an attempt to improve their own neighborhoods. This, of course, makes no sense. It only replaces one kind of hatred with another. In the attempt to remove hate, hatred is left in its place. And it's the oddest thing to watch over the last couple of years is people have rallied and screamed and stop hate. And they're about as angry as anyone's ever seen. <laughs> as they're going out, I want to spread the good news. I hate everybody who hates. And what is the point of all of that? The glorious power of the gospel is that it changes people from the inside not the outside. And that is accomplished by employing the power of love. Huey Lewis. That's the power of love. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I did that. Uh, <clears throat> things pop randomly into my mind. That's why St. Francis prayed, where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. In other words, when somebody hurts us, we forgive them. We don't seek their blood. We don't seek revenge. We learn to let it go. And if there's one thing so many people of faith seem to struggle with is the idea of let it go. Let it go, let it go. Stupid movie. They don't want to let it go. They want to hang on to everything. <laughs> I think I shared this story once before. Uh, one of our campus pastors was doing a wedding for someone. And the family begged them to, to please incorporate the Lord's Prayer. We, we want that as part of the ceremony. Well, of course, he forgets. And they got angry. Mad as a hornet. I'll never forgive you for doing that, cried one of the fathers. Now let's examine that. You'll never forgive the guy who failed to do the prayer that says, forgive us our sins as we forgive everybody else. 
I'll never forgive you for not praying that. Honestly, I don't think people get it. Maybe part of it's the wording because the, the traditional version doesn't say sins. It says transgressions or, or tra- trespasses, which doesn't mean going onto someone's property without the permission. That's not what he's talking about. Although if you go up north, that's about the worst sin people have discussed. <laughs> they went onto our property. <laughs> I was like, whoa, relax. Just a bunch of clueless tourists from Chicago. They don't know where they are. This is the greatest. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against which I think is hilarious because a lot of these people, I get on these sites and I shouldn't, but uh, they get so mad they just want, they, they want these people incarcerated and punished for life because they trespass on their land. Undoubtedly, this morning go to a service that said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We don't apply it. Do you see the problem? Everything stays out there. That's the problem with religion. People come and just say empty words. Blah, 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 blah. They have no idea what they're saying. Only these people can quote, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass and then write online about horrible people from Chicago who trespass on their property. Where there's injury, let us give pardon. Where there is despair, let us plant hope. Where there's darkness, let us inject the power of light. Where there is sadness, let us instill joy. This is how we change the world. This, by the way, is how you change your crazy family, which many of you are about to be baptized into crazy as they all come over for Christmas. And people, how how, how can I deal with this? I'll tell you how to, where there's hatred, put love, where there's injury, forgive, where there's despair, put hope, where there's darkness, give some light, where there's sadness, let us instill joy. But you can only do that if you just start looking inward. What can I do to change the situation? Say, Pastor, you don't, you don't know my family. Yeah, I got one crazier than yours probably. But this is how we do this. This is how we survive all of this. Be different. Let the gospel change you from the inside out. I got an email once from a lady who was just mortified. She says every time she goes to her mother-in-law's house, she's so emotionally distraught that she locks herself in a room and cries for three hours before they go home. Okay. This is a Christian woman. You are so wounded by your mother-in-law You have to show up in a state of despair and drama and cry your eyes out for three hours. Seriously, this is a woman, God loves her, but clearly is clueless as the day is long, who has no idea about the faith that she projects. The words she talks about on a Sunday morning are just words because they don't change here. If it doesn't change here, it's not real. It's here that makes everything different. Again, there must be laws to contain the lawless and there must be need, need be power applied against those who would oppress the powerless. But the transformative power of Christ that we celebrate at Christmas time is not found in angry ideologies or writing laws on the tablets of stone. 
but rather by writing upon people's hearts. In Proverbs, the third chapter, the third verse, we read these words, words, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 7, 2 and 3 says, keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. This is the covenant, Jeremiah writes, that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I'm going to ask our ushers to get ready here and at our campus and the Fox Valley to get ready to serve communion. As I said, people of faith, true faith, start here. That's why the Bible says before we take communion together, what's the first thing it says? We're supposed to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight: Examine yourself and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It's the first thing we're supposed to do before we participate in the sacrament is to examine ourselves. How are we doing? How would you do this week? Where are you at? You got you messed up? Well, let's make it right. So let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. And as we do this, if you can think of anything maybe you need to make right, just confess it to God. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we've done, maybe by what we've left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us, I pray, and forgive us of all of our sins. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, Keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as people's heads are bowed and we're praying, maybe you're visiting for the first time, listening to me the first time, maybe this whole idea of faith is new to you. You've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life. I want to encourage you right now to just quietly in your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. And you can start your first steps of faith today and start to experience this change on the inside. Amen.